Welcome back to the Threads Podcast. This is Carolotta, and I am here with Juliana Jackson. Who is your daughter? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so we're here. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, we're actually going to let you guys listen to the real original inspiration for this podcast. Juliana had the opportunity to go to Peru in 2013, I think it was. I think 2014. I think it was 2013. We're not sure exactly, but um, I really think it was 2013. It was so, summer, before the last summer, so it was All right, so she went down to Peru, where my parents are actually at. And what I told her to do was grab her phone or whatever she could record on and interview my parents. So one thing I need to explain, um, my parents are actually from Peru. They moved to the United States and that's where I was born and raised. Uh, my brother and my sister were born in Peru and they're older than me. Um, but my dad and my mother went back to Peru because my mother, uh, she has some health issues going on. And so she wanted to go back and see about getting some, I guess, more natural help. And um, so she's there. But the thing is with her is that she can't really talk too much. So my dad's doing most of the talking, but you will hear her interjecting in the background because no matter how sick she may be, she will still always interject. Right, Juju? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So which can be a little bit comical. If you listen closely, you can hear some of their banter back and forth. So this is going to be like a two-part series. And um, yeah, we'll have we'll split it up into two episodes. So the first part is going to be about how they actually got to the United States. And you'll really get to know Carlos Filius for who he is. That's my dad. And he, like I said, he's the inspiration for this whole podcast. I grew up listening to all of his stories and we just loved him. We just loved them. And you'll understand what we mean by listening to him. Right, Juliana? Yeah, he's a great storyteller. Oh my gosh, yes. And as we grew up, we didn't know sometimes which ones were true, which ones were exaggerated a little bit, but... My mom always kept him honest. So in this case here, whenever um, you're listening to him, we know everything is true because my mother would never let him lie. And she's in the background. So, you know, and if he, and if he did exaggerate about something, you will for sure hear her straighten that out. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy this. I think you hit the record button after he started speaking. Yeah, so I did start recording a little late. Um, I started recording just after... Well, so you started recording just after he was talking about him going to the American embassy and he was telling this person at the office that he wanted to, that he needed, that he wanted to come to the United States and that he wanted to bring his whole family, right? Yeah. So what had happened was there was something going on like uh, within his family, like his brother, I believe had been like kidnapped. And so he he knew that he was unsafe and his father told him that he needed to basically get out of Peru. What? Yeah. This is what Papa told me. I can't believe that. He said that something happened to his brother and that he basically needed to get out because if he didn't, then something was going to happen to either him or his family. So, okay. This sounds like one of those stories that he used to tell us when I was little. Mama, I'm telling you, this is what he told me. (sighs) I can't believe that. Uh, Let me tell you what, okay. I'm just telling you what he told me. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to have to verify that. 
did mama not say anything whenever he was telling you that? No. What? Well, maybe she didn't know. Maybe. Well, this, listen. I, I just don't know. I just, I don't know about that part. Anyway. There's more. Go ahead. So, he needs to get out of the country. So, what he did was go to the American embassy and he was trying to get visas for himself and for mama and for all of you guys. Well, well mama, not me because yeah. I wasn't born yet. Yeah, you were, she was still pregnant with you. Was she pregnant already? No. I, I, don't, I don't think I was conceived until they got to the United States. No. I'm sorry, but that is incorrect. Really? We'll have to verify that with him. You can hear in the story, he's like... Um, Whenever, whenever you got there, they were taking care of the baby. And okay, and okay. Well, let's not give away too much of the story. So he went to the American embassy to get visas for himself, for um, his wife, and for his children. So he went and he was talking to the, I guess, officer or administrator, whatever you would call them. And she told him there was no way that she could get them all to go at the same time. What would have to happen was he could get a visa, and then in five years they could come. Okay. And... So another thing about that, right, was that it was his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend from when he was in high school, right? No. So oh. <laughs> so it was some woman he didn't know, and she told him all this, and then he, someone walked by, a woman walked by, and the woman that was taking care of um, Papa stopped her and was like, hey, can you please take care of this guy? Like, can you, can you go ahead and finish because uh, it's time for me to go on break, so can you, you know, just handle this? So she says, yeah. And so she sits down and that was Papa's ex-girlfriend. And she was like, oh, Carlos, like, I haven't seen you in such a long time. Like, how are you doing this and that? So he was like, well, you know, I, I need my family to come with me. So he explained it to her. And it's pretty much where we start off in the story. And she scratched something and put, oh, what's your wife's name? Maria Phileas. And your kids? Oscar your daughter, Maria, don't worry about it, and pass the papers, she fixed it. So she added them? She added them, and she signed and put here, so, so was, that you didn't have to leave? No, I but don't want to, to go together? Exactly, exactly. All right, tell me, wasn't that something that God was doing for me, and I was <laughs> a non-believer, and I was the bad in religion? God will have have already the decision that I have to go to America with my wife in his plans. I was already in America. So one day, boom, 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 boom. I got a visa. Residence. That day? Yeah, legal, completely legal resident in America. Not even tourist or visa for 10 years. No, no. Permanent resident with all the big letters. And my wife and my kids. I went mm -hmm. back home and says, honey, we go to America. We got everything ready. Oh, she celebrates. She was so happy. Then I says, in a couple of days, I wasn't time for anything. I talked to my father and says, I have to go to America. They gave me the visa. But Maria is not going. Baruja is not going. No, not even no, my kids. I go by myself, work hard, and as soon as I can, I send for them. And he says, sounds right. My father gave me the money for the ticket. And he says, when do you want to go? Tomorrow is possible. And he says, 
eat eat with your mouth with your mom and I don't know how is she gonna take it you just spend less time here because I wasn't going to my father's house every other day practically you work because for work I work I work with my father also so I walk to my to my to my father's house have lunch she was, she was getting used to me to see me again every other day. Now I have to say that tomorrow I'm not coming and that's it. I'm leaving and no more. It was hard. I remember when she said goodbye to me, she she just fainted and she was grabbing my something for me. Oh man, broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And I was crying all the way from an airplane from Lima to to Miami, <laughs> thinking about that. Huh? And uh, then I went back. I went to to America. I went to Connecticut. Started working there. Did you live with the Amoni? My first job, yeah. My first job was as a car washer. And a company, oh. Chrysler company, and it was winter time, and the cars were covered with snow, and I have to clean the snow and boot them beautiful clean and put it back in the parking lot. But in five minutes they were covering the snow again. I don't know why they make they made me wash the cars like that. And uh, at night, from there, I walk like maybe 10 blocks to my other job at night because from there I finished at 4 o'clock and then walked to my other job and I stood in that job until 12 o'clock at night so I had two jobs and I was a dishwasher in Manero's restaurant steak restaurant in Manero's and uh, in the kitchen the cook was an Italian the other one was an Egyptian guy and I was uh, in Spanish, and nobody spoke different English at all. And it was so funny to work, you know, because yeah. of it. And then I got another job in, in, in legal OT. So I got only one job, and it was a big one, a nice job. Big OT, and start making boxes. You mean big lots? Huh? You mean big lots? Big lots? No, Bigelow. Bigelow? Bigelow Tea. Mm-hmm. The company who made tea. Hmm. When you go oh, to, oh, oh, Bigelow Tea. Okay. When you go to the supermarket, you see Bigelow's. I was there working, making boxes, cardboard boxes, with the, with the stapler. Oh. Boom. Boom. All day long. By myself. In a big room. Full of cardboard. And I was making the boxes and throwing this side. One day the manager, I always remember, Andy Padula, an Italian guy, nice guy. He walked to, he says, Hola, Carlos! He says to me. I says, Andy, puedo hablar? May I talk to you? And he says, yeah. So. In Spanish? You guys are talking Spanish? Mix Italian, Spanish, and English, and all of that. But I made myself understand. 
I asked, I asked him, how long are you going to take me here in this room making boxes? I didn't come all the way from Peru to make boxes. I want to do something better. I want to grow up here. Mm -hmm. And he almost cried. And he says, oh, Carlos, I was waiting for you to tell me something like that. <laughs> Son. He says, come on. He hugged you? Hey, he liked it. Everybody likes me in that company. Yeah. So he says, he come with his hands, take this out of you. I'm Richard, the apron. <laughs> come here. And he took me to his office and he says, you will be a blender. A blender in, in little OT. Everybody, everybody who works in the factory look at the blenders like a, a team, you know? And they put me as a blender. And uh, I like it. Because they give me in charge all the, the teas, different teas, yeah, in one floor. Yeah, in one floor, right? Though that floor, suppose that here is the first floor. You have a machine with a dumpster like that, <laughs> with a big funnel mm -hmm. that goes to the to, to that area. And from there, they dump the, the tea to feed your machine that you you can produce a tea bags. Understand what I'm saying? Okay, my responsibility was to have all the machines running and no, never stop. So I have to go... This machine is doing this, and the guy who did it before, he got so many mistakes. They were doing lemon tea, and he put apple tea. Ah, uh, they ruined the whole thing. You know, they have to watch the machine, throw away a lot of things. You know, and then we have mistakes. Besides of that, I organized the stock on that. So I always say, Andy. We need to get more peppermint tea, more this, more this and that. I still, I, I have just uh, five of each one. I need at least 15 to work today. Mm -hmm. So that was what running like smooth, you know? They, everybody likes me. And I was doing fine. I was doing fine. Very so good. how long until At the end of the third month. So three months? Yeah. That's not that bad. No, no. But in five years. <laughs> oh, yeah. At the end of the third month, I have the apartment, the house, cars. Everything was furnished. Even everything was there. Mm -hmm. She had her own car. And I got my own car. Everything. And I says, Maruja, come. Everything is ready. For you. And she and she you wrote letters on that time. Yeah. And she thought yeah. and she thought that I was going to take five years. So that she was didn't she wasn't eh, she was taking her time. Finally when I wrote that and it says I send you the tickets so you come next week. Know what to do. So she started giving away things. That refrigerator that is in Mamita's house. Mm -hmm. One of them, because they have two, I guess. But the oldest one, that was our first refrigerator oh. when we got married. You brought it here? From America? No. Oh, from Peru. When we, just, when we just got married, I remember I told you I was a sales manager for one big store. Yeah. I bought in that store that refrigerator. And 
when we That's came. That's an old refrigerator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. More than 50 years. And it's still running. That's pretty good. Very green. And, uh, yeah. So he, she gave away everything. And he, she left no, it. I saw something. I sold. Yeah? Did you? I, so, I sell. Sold. 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 sold something from somewhere else. I had to give it away. <laughs> and so quickly because like a week, yeah. And then they appearing as in America. I went to the airport to pick him up. First thing I saw is Theodore. He saw me. He ran <laughs> grabbed me. Oh hugged me so hard and I started crying. And uh, he noticed it. he was crying. Look around, and saw the people Our watching face. and watching at him. I miss my father. Why? I can't. I can't cry for him. I miss him, boys. I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> How old was he? He was seven years old. And then, dear mother. Um, Tia Maria came, he's, she was more quiet, and he, here, the family was together. We went to the house, she liked the house, she liked her car, oh <laughs> my God, she loves, he was a big Chrysler, two doors, but it looks like a tank, big car. Do you remember the storms? Uh -huh. I never had storms, we and never she, have storms here. Uh, uh, who had the storms with lighting and things mm -hmm. like that? She was we grabbing the window. I want to go home. I want to go back to my house. We had that over there. I almost died. Well, where, where did I you bring me here? Oh, I was in the window crying. <laughs> I was so scared. Like thunderstorms? Thunderstorms. Yeah, it barely rains here. Yeah. It like drizzles a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's how it is here. Mm -hmm. In the coast. <laughs> then... It was a Chrysler. That was what a color Chrysler. Was what color was your car? Mine? Silver, mm -hmm. right? Dark. A green, dark green car? I think so. Well, a I was going all right. A blue one, I think. I, dark can, blue. I can't remember. But the thing is that the carburetor didn't work so good. So she had to open the, the, what's the name? The hood. The hood. And get under the, the filter, get the filter out of there, put a screwdriver to hold the, the butterfly, so the air can pass that, and boom, it started, take that thing, put mama? the, yeah, mama, put the filter there, and like, boom, like, everybody thought, oh my God, that woman is a mechanic. I <laughs> <laughs> never saw a woman doing that. So she did it, but she, uh, she got used to it, hard, rapid. And she, she was working in houses, cleaning houses, because my, my sister used to do that job and gave her some customers, so she started doing that. Your, mo your mother born after a while, when she was pregnant, she, yeah, she was pregnant, and then she had a difficult pregnancy. And then when she went to the doctor, the doctor says to me, she is going back home, but to lay in the bed and don't move for a long time, you know, because she, mom? Yeah, she is in high risk. Mm -hmm. She was bleeding. Oh. She came home 
and start mopping the floors and cleaning. <laughs> and then you go to your house, eyes, me muero, ay. Blood coming. So I took her to the hospital. The doctor told mm -hmm. me that I was a criminal, mm -hmm. that you are a Hispanic macho, that you make your wife work. I said, you, how you, how can you say something that you know, don't know? Mm -hmm. well, Was he being racist? Yeah. So I took her back home, and I have to go for all my break times. Go home. But my my job was, this is a street, right? Mm -hmm. My house was here, and this is the parking lot, and the house was here, and this is a parking lot here. Too. Mm -hmm. And my job door was right there with a little window. So I all, all the time I was crossing to put new pampers in cattle and to cook the food for the day, <laughs> running back home to work, and then boom, coming back here. And in that way, you know? And they let me do that. Where did you work then? Huh? Where was that? Was Bigelow? Bigelow, Bigelow. It was right across the street from your house? Yeah. Bigelow was a big, large company, being enormous. Mm -hmm. One day I says to my boss, my boss was also my friend. Mm. All men, all men, but my friend, Tom, this humongous guy, white guy, but mm. country guy. I says, Tom, I gotta go home. I have to take care of the baby and uh, my wife. And he mm -hmm. says, no. Tom, <laughs> I have to go there mm. and uh, give the the milk to the little baby and take care of my wife. My wife can't Don't move. You remember? And... Uh, don't you remember, Tom, that I have to do that? Yeah. So, remember what's going on. Remember, I got to do this. So why couldn't Mama do it? She can't walk. She can't do she, nothing. She have to she stay couldn't. at home. She was. Uh, she was not allowed to move from bed. Because she was on bed rest because she's pregnant. Really? No, no. She already have. We already right. have cattle. But the pregnancy, that broke something inside. That every every movement that she did, boom, the blood was coming. It was really bad. So I was about to quit the job because I says my my kid or the job, I have to quit it. Mm -hmm. Tom is against me now. I can't do nothing about it. I don't know why he's like that. I was kind of, you know, questioning why he's acting yeah. like that. So he's uh, to see. He he saw my face like that mm. and grabbed me right here in the bed, clearly remember the whole thing from my neck. Come on. Well, come on. And took me to the window. Uh, that that door they show you. Mm. It's a window there. Open the window, check. Yes. Whose car is that? It was car parking in my driveway. Inside. It says from now on, you don't have nothing to worry about your wife or your kid. Don't worry about anything. It's, we are we are, the company is paying for a nurse to be in your house and to take care of your wife and your kid for about maybe three, four, five months. All depends how how fast your your wife is going to heal. I was I I couldn't say. Thanks. I mean, mm. I was moved, you know. Says, yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, and he says, "You deserve it. You are a good employee. You are. You deserve it. You are the best 
Okay, thank you. So I walked to my house, and it was there, lady. Everything was clean. Everything was clean, even the windows, the shelves. The pots are full of food. She already cooked. My wife was really nice, welcomed and perfumed with the makeup on her, laying in the bed, smiling. And the baby was so happy and clean. And she took care of everything. And that's it. That's how the company paid me to be a good employee. Later on, when Dieter was growing, Geraldine and your mom, she was already two or three years. Mm. She was grown. She had a friend, and she says, What are you doing there? I love you like brothers. Because, yeah, because she is from Peru. They were close friends. They were kids. Best friends of the neighborhood. And she moved to Puerto Rico. What are you doing there? Come to Puerto Rico. I got, uh, I got Heinz a job in Sears Roebuck, like a, like a manager here. He, he used to be a manager in Peru. He can be a manager here. So I already have a job for him. I talked to my friend, and my friend have a job. In the United States, for, so it's cold over there. Yeah, the come here to the to the hot weather, where weather, the farm, and things. We solved everything. We solved everything. I quit my job in Bigelow. The lady, Mrs. Francis, at me and says, Carlos, okay, you're gone. But remember, the doors of this company are always open for you. If something goes wrong about there, you just give me a call. Ah, I bring you back. That's how they like me there. So I went there. No job, no house, no nothing. Well, that was part one of my parents' story of coming to America. And um, yeah, so what you heard there was my mom and dad sitting at a table, basically, with Juliana and her cell phone, right? That's what you recorded? My cell phone, yeah. So you recorded it with your cell phone, and you were just sitting at the kitchen table? Yeah, the kitchen table while mama ate her lunch. Uh, me and papa talked about this. So that's why you could hear like some clanging and things like that because those were what? Um, they're probably drinking coffee and tea, bread. They're probably just you know munching on stuff like that. So yeah, so we tried to edit it the best we could, you know, but it wasn't something that we planned to ever really put on a podcast in the future. Right. But regardless, you get the raw, you know, real feeling of it all. So there's a little bit of clinging and forks and cups you know and but you get the real deal so it's it's something that we didn't plan to be on a podcast in the future but it is and so hopefully you feel the authenticity of it all and really connect with it you know this type of story to me made me think about how lucky i really do feel for being a first generation american you know like all these stories that i've ever heard with my parents um, you know, all the struggles that they went through and everything just really, I think definitely made me the person that I am today. So like even in little everyday things, like today I came home and there's contractors that have been working on this house next door for like 
two or three weeks now, every single day, you know, and they were, they're out there, they have all their equipment thrown everywhere. This afternoon when I got home, I noticed kind of my parking space was a little bit taken over because their things were laying out. And, you know, I thought to myself, okay, I'll just pull up a little bit, you know, it's not worth saying anything about. And then I started thinking about it and I said, you know, I think that if I wouldn't have heard about so many of these struggles and things like that, you know, I could be one of those people that just like make a big deal or, you know, go up to them and demand that they move these things from the front of my house, you know? Well, it seems like just because of your experiences, like you have the ability to realize that some things are just first world problems and eggs. I think you're right. I, I really do. I think you're right. You know, and I do, I feel so, I do feel lucky because of that. You know, it, it, that's why traveling is so important to see how other people live. You get to see that the things that we complain about, you know, pretty much like on an everyday basis, they're not really worth it. You know, there there's people dealing with a lot worse things. There's people yeah, dealing I mean, with things that are way worse than that. When you go there, you just kind of um, realize what you have, you know, right. things like flushing the toilet, you know, you can't put toilet paper in the toilet and you have to hang your clothes outside all the time and just things like that. Mm-hmm. Even taking a shower. With Even the, taking a shower. And having hot water. Yep. So, I mean, that right there is like, um, you know, you have to wait for the water to heat up. You have to turn on this electrical switch switch and get electrocuted with your razor when you touch it to the, fo- to, the to the head of the shower. That happened to me. Oh, that sounds scary. It was a little scary. But, you know... Those are all things that give you character. They build character in you, right? Yeah. And make you tougher and just, I think, just make you a well-rounded person. So I just feel really lucky that I had that dual cultural experience in my household. In my house, it was like I was in Peru. And then when I stepped out those doors, it was like I was in the United States. So that, for me, was pretty awesome growing up. And I'm really happy that I get to send you to Peru so that you can experience a whole different culture as well. Me too. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this one on up, and hopefully you enjoyed listening to our raw podcast this week. You know, it's just Juliana and I, and we are actually just sitting in this home with thunder going off Mm -hmm. and our little dogs running around. So if you heard any little clicks, yeah, those would be our dogs. And um, if you heard any... (laughs) if you heard any uh random random singing whistling uh who let the dogs out that would be almond and that is our parrot so i promise you yeah we don't have like 30 animals running around we just have two small dogs and a parrot but uh they're a lot of fun but yeah it's it's a rainy night and we're just listening to old stories bye no (laughs) (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed this week's story. We'll be back next week with part two. Today's story was by Carlos Filius. Threads is produced, directed, and edited by Carol Lada. Music by TGR Banks. While you're here, go ahead and subscribe to Threads if you haven't already. And if you want to hear your true story brought to Audible Life, submit your story or essay on threadsstl.com. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, get in touch with us directly through our website. I'm Carol Lada. We'll see you next time.